Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We are your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. And today we're going to be telling you part two of the Vallow and Daybell story. So pour yourselves a strong cup of joe, and let's dive in. We will continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly, but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more Crime Over Coffee content. By signing up for our Patreon, you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content. To check out this opportunity and sign up for the Crime Over Coffee Patreon, visit www.patreon.com slash crimeovercoffeepod. Thank you again for all of your support. Welcome back everyone to part two of this very, very convoluted case. As you could probably figure out for me saying part two, we do have a part one and you will probably be pretty lost if you've not listened to that. So I recommend going back and listening to it. Um, we're talking about the Vallow and Daybell case. I'm going to do another disclaimer here like I did in the first one. This case does involve crimes against children. And so, you know, viewer discretion is advised with this. If it really that kind of stuff bothers you, um, maybe skip this episode. Most of you have maybe heard about this case. It was pretty popular, but there's a lot of information and it is still unfolding as we record right now in March, um, March 30th, 2023, the case is actually starting to be tried, one of the cases in court. And so we'll definitely have an episode later on once all of this unfolds and we can kind of finalize talking about this case and how it all wrapped up. We left off with Alex Cox, who is Lori Vallow's brother, calling the cops to tell them that he had shot Charles Vallow. As I had mentioned in the previous episode, Charles had went to kind of see the kids. He he was a little, he'd come back from a business trip and Lori had basically like cleared out all of his stuff and she was being unresponsive and not really listening to him and he was he had concern for the kids and he knew that Lori was going to be taking JJ to school this one morning and this is July 11th 2019. So Charles shows up to the house and we get a couple stories that come and go throughout this. I'm going to just kind of talk about some of the basics and how it unfolded and then talk about how some of those stories changed a little bit later on as well. Authorities received a call and as I mentioned, it was Alex Cox and he says that his brother-in-law, Charles Vallow had showed up and that Alex had shot him in self-defense. The police or the dispatchers on the phone with him, they're like, okay, do you wanna try CPR? Do you wanna, you know, whatever, what they would try to talk you through? And he says, yeah. And they're kind of talking him through it. And assumably he is trying to do CPR on Charles, but he's saying Charles is dead, basically. There's no pulse. And so police obviously rush over there. When they get there, Alex is sitting outside and they start talking to him like, what happened? And he says that Charles came in and they'd gotten in an argument. He said that... When they started arguing, Tylee was there and she was in her bedroom and she came out with a bat and Charles kind of freaked out and took 
um, the bat from Tylee. Alex says that at this point, Charles hit him in the back of the head. And so Alex went to his room and got a gun that he had owned and brought it out. And Charles charged him again with the bat and he shot him. They're like, okay, where's everyone else? And Alex is saying that Lori took JJ and Tylee and left and that she was going to take JJ to school. This is weird for a few reasons. Lori takes the rental car that Charles had actually shown up in and that's the car she takes to take JJ to school. So what she does is she gets JJ and Tylee in the car and then they go through Burger King to get food and then they drop off JJ at school and then Tylee and Lori stop at a Walgreens to get some shoes because I guess Tylee had kind of taken off when they left, she didn't have shoes on. And so they got some flip-flops at Walgreens. And then they eventually come back to the house where the police are still there with Alex. Everything's still happening. Seemingly a kind of weird sh- series of events post your husband dying <laughs> in your house. That Yeah, it's a it's definitely really weird. I It's more... She just went on about her day. Like, somebody just died. And she's like, let's just move on. Everything's totally normal. I have a feeling I know the answer to this. Maybe not. But was there any sort of evidence that Charles had actually hit Alex in the head with the bat? Yeah, so that's really funny that you say that. Alex had a a mark, but it was on the front of his head. Huh? Yeah, he had like a, he had some type of mark, but it wasn't, he's claiming that Charles like hit him in the back of the head or whatever. That's really not necessarily the case, it seems like. I was going to say, I mean, if you're hit in the back of the head, usually the injury is the back of your head. (laughs) Isn't that funny? You know, I guess not this time. It hit so hard that it didn't leave a mark in the back, but he got a he got a mark in the front. Physics. I don't even know what to ask. Did police go and talk with Lori then and ask her why she acted so casual after her husband just got shot and killed by her brother? They have like um, body cam footage of the police talking with Lori and Ty Lee when they show back up. And... Lori is kind of smiling, cracking weird jokes like, oh, I didn't. This is not what I was expecting to do today or something. And it was really awkward. And the cops kind of talking to Ty Lee and kind of see what happened. But obviously in like a that's not alarm her. It's a lot of trauma for a kid, basically, is what I'm trying to say. So he was just kind of bantering with her and they do end up bringing in everyone to the station to talk to him. And. This is where some of the interviews get a little confusing. As mentioned, Alex is saying it's self-defense. What the autopsy report ended up showing was that Charles had been shot twice, once while he was standing and once while he was already on the ground. And he was shot in the chest and stomach, I believe. And additionally, he actually had some other wounds on him that would have been indicative of getting into a fight or some type of struggle. He had abrasions and bruises on his left arm and right hand and on his knees, which would make sense why Alex maybe had some injury to his face if they'd been in more of a fight than he was kind of claiming. Yeah, so I don't, I guess, know exactly how police could tell. I'm sure there's different things that would point one way or the other but do those wounds they sound almost consistent with defensive wounds and not like the because you said like the Uh, forearm right his his left arm and right hand 
Okay, yeah. Like, the the fact that it's his arm, that almost gives more defensive. Because, mm-hmm. like, you put your arm up to, like, protect yourself. Or, like, if you put your right hand up to protect yourself, like, if you're right hand dominant. Like, they almost seem to me more like defensive wounds, but I also didn't see yeah. it. And It's all a little I fishy. Think, I don't know. I... That's just and my assumption. The thing is, it, too, they fishy, later yeah. find out that they're pretty sure he did not attempt CPR. Also, they find out that it was approximately 40 minutes after Charles was shot that Alex actually called the cops. Yeah. And then another conflicting thing, Lori, when she gets back and she's talking with them and police are interviewing her, she claims that like she took off with the kids when she heard a shot. But Alex initially told police that she was already gone by the time the gun went off, that they left because of the so-called argument. And then it happened. So, you know, again, more conflicting things. They talked with Tylee and she's understandably upset. She's kind of trying to explain her situation in it. And, you know, I think she was just kind of rushed out the door when everything started happening with her mom. So I'm not really sure how much they got from her. Remind me, how old is Tylee at this point? She was 16 at this time. That's it just yeah, that's so young. I mean, it's old enough that she should be able to give like some sort of account of what had happened, and she should be able to say, you know, I came out with a bat and Charles took it from me. Like yeah, but I don't. I just have questions because if I guess if Lori took. Kylie and JJ, as soon as Charles had grabbed the bat from her, if they like then darted out of the house, because the fact that Tylee, I don't know, it seems like they left in a hurry. If she left before that or like right as soon as the bat was taken, that would kind of make sense. But also like how long did it take? Because as soon as Charles had the bat and hit Alex, he then went and got a gun. Like you'd think that the gunshot would have been heard. Like, mm-hmm. so I almost believe Lori a little bit more that she was there and heard the gunshot and then left. I do think it's weird that she didn't call police and I do think it's weird that she didn't like do anything to kind of check on them. She just appeared back at the house. Did she appear back at the house thinking everything was going to be normal or what was she expecting when she got back there? Do we know? I'm guessing she knows what happened. I don't think there was it was lost on her that she knew that something could at least at the very least knew that it could escalate to that. Okay. You know, and just a little reminder too from the last episode we've been talking about her and Charles relationship and how it's been really bad she was texting claiming that Charles had like a demon inside of him and she had cleared out all his stuff and basically like stolen his truck from the airport there was a lot of issues she is already having her affair with Chad Daybell she's thinking people are zombies and referring to them as demons so to me it's kind of like Maybe, maybe they weren't intending on this murder to actually take place, but I think it's tough to go with the whole self-defense thing completely, especially since we're not seeing any type of aggression, I guess, from Charles at all. You know, there's only concern and worry and frustration, I think, too. Also, let's talk about self-defense. You shoot at him, he's on the ground, and then you walk up to him and shoot him again. I think he was already probably pretty well down, especially if you had the gun. And he did not have a weapon. Yeah, it almost goes more towards the overkill. Like, if you get shot once in, like, the chest or the stomach, you're most likely going down and you're not going to be able to do a whole lot because there's a lot of vital organs in there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But you also said that one of those shots went through as he was on the ground, right? 
is what they claimed. The autopsy, they determined that he was likely already on the ground when the second shot was shot. And not to mention, and this is an ongoing topic that comes up often. Let's talk a little bit about Lori's actions, I guess we'll say, post this all happening. We're talking about like immediately her at the scene, maybe like making jokes and seeming nonchalant. But apparently there's neighbors that reported hearing like a party. It sounded like a party at that house later on that night. And Lori starts to tell people that Charles is gone. And this is what she does. She tells Colby that Charles had a heart attack and died. And Colby's like, what? Like, out of, like, to his knowledge, this would have been kind of weird or bizarre and not expected. And Colby decides to go, go to the house um, a couple, I don't know how soon after that, but he walks in and sees that Alex is on the couch with like a bandaid on his head. And Tylee's just like, comes up to him sobbing and says, Alex shot Charles. And so Colby's like, what what is going on because that's not what Loria told him yeah getting shot and having a heart attack are pretty distinctly different yeah and this is even almost even worse Lori texts charles's sons because he had some sons with from a different marriage and texts them and says hey guys like bad news your dad's dead basically doesn't really give a lot of details the text is a little bit longer than that but it's still the same thing and then they're like what's going on what happened and then she just ignores them for a while and they're texting like Lori you can't just like be ignoring us right now like you can't just text us this and then just not respond and she's basically at some point she responds just like I know it's really sad for everyone I'm making arrangements and blah 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 but again being weird and vague and very unsympathetic she also tells JJ's school that Charles committed suicide. Okay, her story needs to line up somewhere. Yeah. And honestly, like, did she, I don't know if she just assumed that, like, this information wouldn't get around and that people wouldn't kind of, like, talk to one another, but especially Colby and Tylee. Like, Tylee's pretty well aware of what happened. She was most likely there for when Charles was shot. So you'd think that Lori would at least stick with something. Yeah. I would almost expect her more to just, like, play on, like, Charles tried to attack my brother, like play the victim card almost more than telling the stories differently. Yeah. To each person. And that's what they told police and police kind of bought it. I think they were a little not sure, but it kind of went away. One more thing I want to note really quick about this. Within days after Charles died, Lori tried to claim his life insurance policy, but you know, they had already been having issues, so Charles had already taken her off of it. Good job, Charles. Something else she did was she kind of put anything that would be money going to Tylee, like Tylee was kind of under her legally. She changed it so that if any money was going to go to Tylee, would have to go through Lori to get to Tylee. From here on out throughout the rest of this story, I am going to kind of insert some text messages that we learn about later on, but I'm going to put them within this chronologically just for the ease of following it. As you guys know, I've mentioned this is a lot of information and it's hard to try to even cover the majority of it. So don't come at me if I miss a few things. I We're already going to be doing probably three parts for this episode, so I didn't want to make it a whole podcast at some point on july 30th so this is this is a couple weeks after the death of charles chad and Lori were texting each other and talking about death percentages 
for Tammy and for JJ. And if you guys don't remember, Tammy is Chad's current wife. And Chad starts texting Lori more about Tammy, saying that Tammy was, quote, in limbo, end quote, and, quote, possessed by a spirit named Viola, end quote. Question. What do you mean when you say they're talking about death percentages? Honestly, can't tell you. Okay. I think it has to do with kind of this weird story. I don't even know how to describe it. They're assigning, and I'll talk more about this a little later, but they're assigning names and numbers and colors to people in their lives and i think this is regarding that it sounds like it's maybe some type of weird code thing but something i do want to say is earlier on this was in the first episode we talked about this Lori and chad were referring to charles by some random name nick schneider and now they're referring to tammy as viola and they're essentially saying that these people are possessed and their spirits or souls are no longer there. And again, something that came up earlier that they had said was that to free the person's soul, they had to kill the physical body, the demon that was there. I think that's an important part in this because it plays into this weird psyche that Lori is kind of tying into with Chad. And it's following all this and these kind of texts that it even gets like, crazier where Lori starts talking about all these people being after her like coming after her and people that know Lori and are in her life are like she's acting even more more bizarre than she was there was somebody they interviewed who was a part of the LDS church who who knew Chad and Lori and she holds on to a lot of these LDS beliefs and she's even talking about how crazy Chad and Lori took it and it was kind of interesting to hear like something that Anybody who's not in their religion probably could look at it with a different type of lens and be like, this is a little odd. And she's saying that Chad's taking it way too far. And he's even coming up with crazy stuff that's like way off of the books, basically. And I would agree. Yeah. I want to reiterate, I said this in the first one, that's not me judging any type of religion ever. Um, I'm very happy for people to believe what they do. The thing with this is we're talking about Chad taking it manipulating a religion and causing harm to people and that's where I'm coming in saying okay this is kind of wild you know when it's talking about having to kill people that's where you got to kind of go um hold on hold on bud and the first episode too I had mentioned you know Chad's talking about this end date that's going to come and a bunch of people are going to die and in his version he's going to be the one to lead everybody afterwards in the actual version for the LDS church, it's Christ. And that's this woman that they were interviewing was talking about that too. Like Chad is taking on this role like he is greater than. And that's where it's really becoming problematic. Yeah, I forgot who Chad was until you started saying that he was texting her about death percentages and then everything that he did, I was like, oh yeah, he's the guy that thinks he's like God, basically. That's right, yeah essentially like the problem i mean lori was yeah. already kind of exploring different things within this kind of religion and listening to the podcast but she meets chad and that's where it really all comes to a head on august 16th lori calls colby and is like we're all moving we're moving from arizona where they had lived and everything had happened we're moving to rexburg idaho actually i don't know that she even told colby exactly where they were moving just that they were moving to idaho 
And so at this point on September 1st or around then in 2019, Lori Vallow and her brother Alex Cox and Tylee and JJ all moved to Rexburg, Idaho. As I mentioned, September 2019, Lori Vallow, Alex Cox, and her two kids, JJ and Tylee, moved to Idaho. Why specifically Idaho? They moved there from Arizona because that's where Chad lives. Chad Daybell lives. And oh, good. if you remember from the first episode, this is where they're going to kind of relaunch their new society after the end of times. Chad and Tammy are living in Idaho with, they have five kids. I'm not sure how many were actually still in the house at the time, but they live on a pretty big property out there with some land. So are Lori and Alex and children going to go and live with Chad and Tammy or are they just moving to the same area to be near them? They're just moving to the same area. As I mentioned, um, Chad and Tammy are still together. I am going to venture to guess that Tammy has no idea that Chad has any involvement with Lori at this point in time, to that extent at least. They're still doing stuff kind of on the hush-hush. It's September. They're living in Idaho and Colby and his wife, they're starting to get more concerned after the death of Charles. If you guys remember earlier on when all this was unfolding, a lot of Lori's family were under the impression that Charles was cheating and just kind of spinning this crazy thing because he got caught cheating and he was in the wrong. And that's what Lori had told them. And so up until this point, a lot of the family has kind of taken a step back. Colby's talking about, you know, he's got his new wife. He's got his new kid his daughter that he had just had somewhere in the midst of this stuff. And so he's kind of busy and he's finally starting to notice that things are weird because she, because he's not hearing from Tylee. It was her birthday on September 24th, or at least he texted her happy birthday on September 24th. I'm making an assumption there, but he texted Tylee happy birthday and her response to him, he says was weird. It was odd in a way that he wasn't thinking it was actually her responding because the diction was kind of different so he was thinking maybe she was mad or he just was uncomfortable with it and he calls Lori and she's being kind of weird and he's just sensing something he basically texts Tylee again and says can you call me please and just talk to me so I know everything's okay and then no more responses come in Colby and his wife is they're both kind of like nervous as many would be and they're like let's go back through all this stuff Charles was trying to send us you know let's just kind of look and see what's what are are we missing something you know and they find emails from Charles that he had forwarded that he found it was some type of list that was going in between Chad and Lori and possibly Alex Colby's entire family is listed on this basically like excel doc They're listed as either light or dark spirits, and they all have a number assigned to them. And essentially, it's kind of claiming who's good and who is evil. And it's using this light and dark like rating system or ranking system. There's this, you know, belief that these some of these people are are zombies. They refer to them as zombies. Actually, a lot of times in the text, they refer to them as just a Z. Um, And they kind of show these text messages in articles and in the docu-series of Lori texting Alex and being like, oh, bad news about 
and it'll be a person and he'll be like a Z or like a question mark and she'll be like yeah stuff like that so and maybe you kind of already touched on this in part one I don't really remember how are they determining if people are a quote-unquote Z this is coming from you could guess it maybe Chad well I would assume Chad but what yeah. does he just act he knows these things because he believes that he is this all-powerful yeah. being Basically, okay. I mean, he he claims he can have, he has these visions and he, he's speaking with angels and he could see into the future. And because of this, he's able to tell who's already been manipulated or possessed or is a zombie. And he's even claiming that there are specific, he gives numbers. He says there's 20,000 zombies and they need to like basically die. And as I mentioned, it's a list with like family members and a lot of the... People on there are like dark spirits, and I don't know what the number system is, but this includes JJ and Tylee as well. So there's 20,000 zombies or dark spirits, and there are how many billion people in the world? Oh, God, I, don't know. I don't know. Like six or 6.8 or something like that. We'll say six billion. Okay. There are six okay. billion people in the world, and there are 20,000 Zs, zombies, dark spirits, whatever Chad wants to refer to them as. And they just happen to know a good amount of them. Like 20,000 is a, it's a very low number in comparison to 6 billion people. But out of the 6 billion people in the world, that 20,000, they happen to know and be related to a big chunk of them. I don't think they actually had 20,000 people listed out, though. I think they're just saying that there are 20,000 zombies. But he knows that there are 20,000. So he, just not, he doesn't have 20,000 listed out, but he has... I don't know, 10, 15 listed out. I don't know what the number is that are family members. And I'm no statistics major. And if anybody is a statistical person, maybe you know, but that does not seem to work well. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put it this way. That's a lot of people to assumably kill if they're actually going after all of them. Um, That's true. It's, I think, called genocide. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't know the intent, but it doesn't sound good. And just a little quick side note, because I know we're going to get corrected. Uh, It's actually, as of 2021, it was 7.8888 billion people. So Wow. And that's two years ago. So that's a lot of people. Another thing just to mention with this, you know, I was talking about the Z's or whatever. Um, There was like a text message about some between Alex and Lori about a guy named Brandon that they knew. He was married to Lori's niece and was in the process of getting a divorce from her. And on October 2nd, 2019, someone actually like shot into his car with a rifle and it came from a Jeep Wrangler. And this was in Arizona in his driveway. And he says he was pretty sure it was Alex Cox who had done this. And they see these text messages between Lori and Alex texting about Brandon being a zombie. And the Jeep is actually registered to Charles Vallow, who at this point has been dead for multiple months. This continues on October 9th, 2019, when Tammy Daybell gets home. And a man in a ski mask shoots at her. She ends up screaming for Chad, who I guess was somewhere nearby. And the person takes off. And again, they're pretty sure that it is Alex Cox. From this point, you know, we have Alex shooting Charles and, quote, 
unquote self-defense and maybe some more attempted murders happening. So we're seeing this escalation. They're kind of acting on this whole zombie thing. As this continues to unfold, more and more concern grows about where Tylee and JJ are and if they're safe. And to hear the rest of the story, well, at least part of it, um, you're going to have to join us in next week and we'll probably wrap up this section. And then once the uh, cases unfold, as I mentioned in the front of the episode, we'll do an updated episode later on. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepot at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.